Hey, thanks for joining us for the Pulpit Podcast. My name is Pilgrim Benham, and I am the teaching pastor at Shoreline Church in Bradenton, Florida. The Pulpit Podcast is a simple review of some of the content in our Sunday sermons at Shoreline Church. And so today we begin our very first episode, and it, it's a it's a hope that this podcast is an encouragement and a next level equipping for our congregation. It's a way to interact with and communicate some of the content of our recent sermons. And so we are in a sermon series in the book of Genesis, and we have been looking at the life of Abraham, the father of our faith. And in the last few months, we have seen Abraham's great encouragement in his faith. And we've also seen areas where he's had great weakness and ostensibly some great failure. And that's such an encouragement to us that faith is not necessarily uh, watertight in every arena, in every area, in every situation. It brings hope to us that, man, we are all sinners. We are all in need of redemption, that it's not the quality of our faith, but it's the object of our faith that saves So in other words, you and I, we can't bank our hope in the fact that our faith is is, uh, completely sound and and watertight. And so we're banking on the fact that we're holding on to Christ, we're holding on to God with our faith, and that is what is going to save us, the quality of our faith. No, we have the assurance that it's the object of our faith, the one whom we're clinging to, or more theologically correct, the one who is clinging to us. And so it's just been a great time of, of study and encouragement to look at the life of Abraham. And this past Sunday, we began to look at the ministry of Abraham, in particular, as God comes with two angels. I believe this is a theophany as Jesus, a pre-incarnate Jesus, appears to Abraham. We have lots of divine title language like L-O-R-D, all in caps, which is, of course, the name of Yahweh. And we've previously seen this appearance as the angel of the Lord. We know that no one can see the Lord and live. And so it's my and many commentators, many scholars' estimation that this is none other than the Lord Jesus himself. And so in Genesis 18, we actually see the arrival of Jesus, the arrival of the Lord with two embodied angels. And these two angels are coming with the Lord to investigate on the testimony of two to three witnesses, what the outcry, or more accurately, to verify the outcry, which was very great against the city of Sodom. In fact, the city of Sodom encompassed the valley that also bled into Gomorrah and some of the surrounding towns that were outlying villages outside of Sodom. But Sodom and Gomorrah were the places, were the cities where God was coming to confirm the outcry against them. There was much sin. There was much despicable oppression and immorality that was existing within the city and within the valley. And so God was coming to confirm that. Not that he couldn't tell and he needed a closer look, but that he was going to have a firsthand eyewitness account with the veracity of that account coming from two to three witnesses. And so we looked at chapter 18 this past Sunday, and we were greatly encouraged to look at the ministry of Abraham. And the ministry of Abraham, as we looked, it includes 
four different things, at least in this text. And there's many more than this, but we looked at how, first of all, ministry in Abraham's life and in our own life, it includes first a willingness to serve. We, we looked there in the first eight verses and we saw how Abraham was very quick, very eager uh, with lots of effort and expense to, to wait upon, literally, actually to literally wait upon the Lord like uh, he is coming to visit and, and he's being a hospitable host. And so we saw how Abraham uh, used terms of, of uh, real humility. He called him Adonai, which is, of course, master, lowercase m. Typically, when we use it of the Lord, it's, it's an uppercase m. But the idea is that I'm the servant, you are the master, I'm going to be at your beck and call, I'm here to wait upon you. And so we find him running to uh, help them out. We see him running to Sarah and he says, quick, and and has her prepare some cakes using uh, bread, using flour. And basically, she she makes three times more than, than what a human can eat. So there's nine servings available. And not only that, but she also prepares curds. And I love me a good cheese curd. She she also um, is doing this quickly. And then Abraham goes and has one of his servants prepare a calf. And so this is just way over the top. Abraham is taking his tent, his property, his resources, and he's using these to serve the Lord. And so we saw how in ministry, that really is what we've been called to do, whether we're vocationally receiving our employment, our income from uh, doing ministry, or we're ministering freely without receiving any pay or uh, compensation for that. We are called to use the resources that God has given us, that he's blessed us with to bless others. And we, we call this a generous hospitality. You think just for a minute, as you're serving the Lord, what has the Lord blessed you with in such a way that you could use this to bless him and to bless others? Maybe it's your home. Maybe you don't live in a home. Maybe you live in an apartment or a dorm room. How can God use that blessing that he's blessed you with in turn to bless others? That's what it means to be generously hospitable. Maybe you have a piece of property or you have an extra car. You have some resources at your disposal. We have been really richly blessed at our church with with wealthy believers who, who have used their resources, whether it's it's property, assets, actual finances, to serve the Lord and to serve the community. So we learned how ministry is really, it's a willingness and, and an open hand to say, Lord, I want to be hospitable to you and to your people and whatever you have. And we see that in Abraham's life with the Lord. The second thing we saw was that ministry includes trusting in God's word. And so in verses 9 through 15, we had a great glimpse of Sarah, who has not yet heard the information that God is going to visit her, that she will conceive and she will bear a son named Isaac. And so she's listening. The scene is pretty great. She's listening at the door of the tent. And God says what he had said to Abraham back in chapter 17. And then it says that she laughed to herself and she said, oh, so now I'll get this pleasure. Now that my Lord is old and my body's worn out, now I'll get the pleasure of having children. And uh, the Lord calls her on it and says, why did, why did Sarah laugh? And, and she says, well, no, no, I, I didn't laugh. And he says, yeah, no, you did laugh. And so it's, it's sort of a, a little comical scene back and forth. But the, the, the root, the heart behind this is that Sarah, for a moment anyway, 
is is really doubting. She's casting doubt on the promise of God. And God, he he doesn't commend her for this. He doesn't overlook it like he does with Abraham in the previous chapter. But he actually chastises her and he asks, is anything too hard for the Lord? And so isn't it interesting that sometimes we question, is the Lord able to do this? We actually do answer that question, sadly, in the wrong way. God says, is anything too hard or too marvelous for me to do? And we answer, yeah. We may not answer it literally, but we answer, yes, Lord, it's too impossible for you because we look at where we put our hope and our strength in. The psalmist over and over would say, I don't trust in my bow. I don't trust in my sword. We read that in Psalm 44. I'm not placing my faith in my chariots or my horses. Some do that, but no, my trust is in the Lord. He's the helper. He's the maker of heaven and earth. So God just asks her that question. Is anything too hard? This time next year, I will come back and Sarah will have a son. And we were so encouraged in Hebrews 11, 11, that, that Sarah really did grow. She considered him faithful who had promised. And so that's what, what ministry is in the life of Abraham and Sarah. It is trusting God to keep his word. He has never defaulted on his credit score of faithfulness, and he never will. Not a word of God will ever fail. God told Joshua that twice. Not a single one of my promises will ever fail. And that's so encouraging, and, and it's such a good reminder for us in ministry because often we will want or be tempted to turn to things that are pragmatic, things that are cultural, things that are trending, things that are novel, to try and supplement uh, what we think God isn't doing. And so God's not growing our church. So let's turn to worldly business practices. The, 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 the people aren't growing the way they should be growing. So let's just introduce this new sermon series that uh, is all about these felt needs so that we'll get more people to, to grow or more, they'll invite more of their friends. And so we find ourselves tempted all the time to not trust God and his word in ministry. But that's what ministry is. It's, it's trusting that God's word is sufficient and those who trust in him will never be put to shame. Well, the third thing we looked at with ministry is that it upholds God's ways. When we're in ministry and and what we see in Abraham's life is that there's an upholding of the ways of God. And chapter 18, verse 19 really is the hinge verse of the whole chapter. And the idea here is that God is including Abraham in in telling him what he's about to do in destroying Sodom and, and saving Lot. But he's telling him this so that, verse 19, he will command his children and household after him to keep the way of the Lord. To keep the that is why God's including him. That's what this chapter and chapter 19 have to do with the the whole greater narrative of the covenantal promise of God to Abraham. The the reason this is here is that God is choosing to include Abraham because he wants Abraham to take the lesson of Sodom and to apply it to his family, to his children, that it would eventually reach the ears of Moses, who would record it, document it for us in the book of Genesis. And even now, 2000 years after Christ, we're still talking about the lesson of Sodom. What is the lesson of Sodom? It is the fact that they were not keeping the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. And so we looked at those two words, righteousness and justice, tzedakah and mishpat in the Hebrew 
They're mentioned in Amos 5.24 as two rivers of a bank that, that flows freely, a mighty river. And the idea of righteousness and justice is that this is describing someone who stands both before God and before our fellow image bearers, before man, in right relationship to both. So we stand before God in righteousness, walking in proper relationship to God by keeping his law and obeying. But then we also stand before men rightly by having care and concern for those who are also created in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And so biblical righteousness, biblical justice, it's not just about getting what you deserve or having retribution for wrong. It's actually to stand before God rightly and to look out into the world and look at those who the world deems worthless and to care for them, to look out for them, to, to fight for them, uh, to not withhold our hand uh, from injustice, but to, to execute true justice between man and man. This is what Ezekiel 18, 5 through 9 speak of. It speaks of what it looks like to be righteous and, and just. And so this was the object lesson. And that's what ministry is. It's standing before God rightly. And it's also standing before men rightly. It's declaring the law of God and the grace of God, the gospel of God. But then it's also before men being able to apply the law and gospel to real people. And so that's what we learned a little bit from Abraham. And finally, we learned in our sermon that ministry includes intercession, interceding for others. And we saw that in verses 23 through 22 through uh, 33, where Abraham is, he's praying for the people of Sodom and he keeps asking God, would you spare the righteous uh, if there were, or even the unrighteous, the wicked, if there were just 50 people? And God says, I will spare the city for 50 righteous people. And so then Abraham says, well, what about 45? And God says, yes, for 45. And then Abraham's like, do I hear 40? <laughs> he, he talks him down to 10. And at the end of the chapter, it says the Lord went his way and Abraham returned to his place. And then the very next verse is chapter 19, verse one, which is where the angels are going to destroy the city. And, and so there were not 10 righteous people, even within the city of Sodom. And so what we saw is that Abraham is appealing to the justice of God. And he's saying, will not the judge of all the earth do right? He, he's crying out to God for the righteous that are inhabiting a place of wickedness. And he's calling out to God, appealing to one of his, one of his attributes, to the characteristics of our triune God. And he's asking God, based on your justice, will you not do what is right? And that's such a great picture of what intercession is. It's not demanding that God do our will. No, it's aligning our hearts with his will. It's not praying that my will would be done, of course, but praying that his will would be done, that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. It's praying, as Jesus would say in John, that we're to pray in Jesus' name, that we have whatever we ask, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, we have whatever we ask of him if we ask aright, if we ask rightly or in his name. To ask in his name means like power of attorney. It's as if Jesus himself were asking this very thing. And so I'm not asking, Lord, would you, would you bless my brother with a new convertible? Would you bless my friend with a Mercedes Benz? Would you, would you bless my friend to buy a new mansion? That's not the idea. The idea is, Lord, I'm desiring to see your glory, to see the gospel make an impact, to see more souls 
one for Christ, to see the harvest have more workers for it. And so it's praying biblical prayers and it's praying on behalf of people that maybe are unable or uh, are unwilling to pray for themselves. And so we see ministry is that it's that intercession. It's a key part of ministry. We stand before men and God, and we don't just uphold the ways of God. We also plead with God on behalf of men and women's souls. And so super encouraged by this text in Genesis 18. And we really wrapped up the sermon thinking about how Jesus embodies this chapter. It's a picture of Jesus's ministry. Jesus, he didn't come with uh, this, this, you know, great pomp and circumstance when he arrived. He came as God incarnate. One person said he came in the guise of an ordinary wayfarer. And that's what we see in his arrival with Abraham. He looks as though he's just a man who needs hospitality in the middle of the day. Uh, and, and yet in the same way, Jesus came to his own, his own did not receive him. He made his entrance among us, not as the conquering king, but as the suffering servant. We, we observe Abraham's ministry and we realize that Jesus was willing to serve and do whatever the father had for him, even to take up his cross and to die in our place. He humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross. We saw in Jesus's ministry that he trusted in the word of God, that in his temptation, he consistently said, it is written. He called out the word of God. He banked upon it. He lived it. He embodied it. He is the word made flesh. Jesus upheld righteousness and justice. He stood before the father. He stood before man and he rightly represented us to God and God to us. Jesus even interceded for others, not just at the cross, though he did pray, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But when he cried various woes over different cities in Matthew eleven twenty three and 24, he said, if Capernaum had done, uh, or if the works that had been done that were done in Capernaum, if those works done by me were done in Sodom, Sodom would have repented. Jesus is saying, hey, I came to Capernaum and this was the place where I did most of my ministry. This is where I performed many of my miracles, most of my time teaching. And Capernaum, you're condemned because you incur now a stricter judgment than Sodom because I had come to tabernacle with you. You had a front row seat of my glory, the glories of Christ. And you rejected that. If I were to come to Sodom and have the same ministry, they would have repented. And so when we think about our own fate, we realize, don't we, that a far greater fate awaits us than Capernaum or Sodom. We may look at Sodom and say, whoa, what despicable sinners, those wretched people that were there. And yet when we look at our own life, we realize if we are to reject the Messiah, a greater fate awaits us. And so we're reminded that the mercies of God through the person of Christ has saved us, not just from fire and brimstone, to bring about a physical death, but the eternal fire and torment and damnation of separation from God in the lake of fire. God has saved us from his wrath because of his son. And so we are reminded to stand in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's been a great study in Genesis. And uh, I encourage you to uh, look up some verses as we talked about Sodom and what was the sin of Sodom. I encourage you to look up Ezekiel 16. 49 and 50 and Jude chapter one. Well, there's only one chapter uh, Jude verse seven and look at what the sin of Sodom was. It's, it's not less than what you think it is. It's, it's more, 
but it's certainly not less than sexual immorality. So I encourage you to look those verses up and to investigate the, the twin words, righteousness and justice. They are pairs that go together, much like in the New Testament, grace and peace. And so we'd love to get your feedback on this podcast, the pulpit podcast. Uh, we'd love to get your feedback on the sermon. You can go and listen by uh, just searching on YouTube for Shoreline Online, as well as uh, any place that you download your podcast. Look up Shoreline Online, and uh, the latest sermon on there, as of right now, is Genesis 18, The Ministry of Abraham. It was preached on October 16th, 2022. I encourage you to go listen to that. Uh, leave us a five-star review if you enjoyed this podcast, and uh, we'd love to hear your comments and your feedback as we continue to enhance and develop the pulpit ministry at Shoreline Church. So until we meet again, thank you for listening to the Pulpit Podcast, and may the Lord strengthen you in your love for his word.